0: Welcome to The Grow Show, powered by Steel. On The Grow Show, we share ideas, tips, tactics, and insights to help you grow your landscaping business based on our team's 40 years of experience running a landscaping company and working with other owners and their teams to do the same. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Without further ado, here's your host, Marty Grunder. well good morning good afternoon good evening wherever the case may be this is marty grunder from grunder landscaping company and the grow group with another exciting edition of the grow show powered by steel and those of you that are watching us on youtube you've probably figured out by now i am not by myself this week on the grow show we have someone who has been a tremendous mentor to both myself and seth seth flum our company president and he's become such a mentor. He's a great friend. Used to be a neighbor, and just one of those people that comes into your life that makes an enormous impression. And Mark will probably be blushing here, but this is Mark Thompson with us today. Mark, welcome to the Grow Show. Thanks, Marty. Glad to be here. Well, we're we're always excited to have guests like you on the Grow Show, and I I'm excited to have you here because I'm pretty sure our closest followers, once they're done listening to you, they're going to say. That's where he got that from. He got those ideas from Mark. So Mark, give us a little bit of background on who Mark Thompson is, where you're from, what you're doing now. How, how how did you come to where you are today? I think people will really enjoy getting to know you. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, Marty,
1: I started my career as an engineer, and I like to say I'm an engineer gone bad. So <laughs> An engineer gone yeah, bad. I love started, it. started working for an engineering consulting firm and realized that pretty quickly it's all about business we're in business and all the big differences that were going to be made were on the business side there were certainly engineering interested in me but i think my first love was business
0: and i just didn't know it at the at the time degree in civil engineering civil and structural from yeah. the university of cincinnati yeah. And then an MBA from Miami, Miami University. Yeah, just yeah.
1: slow learner. Slow learner. I had to keep studying.
0: Right. So grew
1: up in that consulting firm, and around round the eight, we were growing, and, and the firm was a bunch of engineers and architects, a bunch of technical people, and we really, really didn't know a lot about how to run a business. Okay. And I missed a meeting and came back the next day and found out I was president. And <laughs> <laughs> uh So and kept waiting for others to miss me. No one would. We had perfect attendance. Right. For he's a long he's time. kidding, by the way, folks. But really, we were at a point. I had been growing a satellite office in a different market. I had gone down to Cincinnati from Dayton and launched that market and growing a satellite office, getting a lot of bumps and bruises. Right. Uh, trying to sell to Procter and Gamble and GE and Ford and, and General Mills and so forth and decided we needed to mature the firm. We needed to grow up a little bit as a business. Right. I had just finished my MBA, and that's kind of how I ended up becoming president. I was 40 at the time. Ran that firm for 14 years as president CEO. The last handful of years, I was also chair of the board. Right Over that time, became the largest shareholder, and then just honestly got fatigued. Right. Which happens. It happens. So youngest was going off to college. We had kind of met a lot of life's big expenses. And uh, I was kind of out of gas Mm -hmm. and decided to go be a business advisor, which is where you and I reconnected and and, uh, did that for about five years. Um, I kind of viewed myself as a parish priest hanging out with my fellow sinners. It was not a lot of. Preaching, it was a lot of sitting like you are and right. I are right now, shoulder right. to shoulder, figuring it out. And,
0: and go ahead. Well, I was gonna say as a business coach like that, you've got people that already understand the basics of business. They were struggling with the same things that you used to struggle with and were probably still struggling with to some still, degree. Still struggling, sure. Right. And and what I've always found fascinating about you, Mark, is that Civil engineering is a very technical thing. In fact, my dad was a civil engineer. My dad did a lot of work with your yeah, firm, which yeah. is just of all the ironies. Yeah. He knew all the founders of your firm. It's, it's just a really cool story. But you have a, you're a, you have a funny side to you. When I listen to you lay out business plans and point out things to Seth and I that we should be thinking about, I see the engineering. In you. Sure, sure. But you've also helped us with personnel issues. And the psychology of of leading people and managing. And I just can't say enough about the skill set that you have because it's, I think it's pretty, it's pretty unique to be a civil engineer and also have a ton of business sense. I I think that there's, I'm not saying a civil engineer can't be a business owner, but there's a lot of soft side to running a business that I think some engineers, I know my father couldn't have run a business. He had too big of a temper. There was just no way. And he didn't analyze people or say, hmm. I wonder if I'm the reason they're not doing what I want them to do. And and you're a very thoughtful person. Well,
1: I appreciate that.
0: Speaking of being a thoughtful person, one of the things that we learned a lot from you is this topic of professional management. Mm-hmm. You hear it all the time in the business world. I heard it when I was a student at the University of Dayton. Of and course. The, you know, the professor would talk professional management. And, of course, you'd say, oh, yeah, I know what that means. I understand that. I didn't know what it meant or understood it. I do now. Yeah. But I learned a lot of, about professional management from you. So what is it? And help us understand what professional management is.
1: Marty, the best way I can kind of relate
0: that is
1: thinking of management as a, an actual profession. And so most of us. I see. Most of us in business are really good at something and we see a different way. So in effect, we're a technician a landscaper, an engineer. And we're really good at landscaping and engineering. We decide, you know what? We have a a special way or a different way, or my path is taking me to launch into a business. And for the early journey, being good at whatever you're good at is really important until you get to about 10
0: employees. And try to scale it.
1: And you're, you're at a... Whatever number of employees, somewhere around eight to a dozen. Yep. And you're no longer landscaping. Your whole job is management. And, and it's hopefully becoming more professional management. And now the limits to really achieving your future desired state or your dreams or your vision are not how good of a landscaper you are, but can I manage
0: and grow and lead this business? And it's, we're not just talking managing people. Not at all. We're talking managing the whole entity. Yep. And as you say this, Mark Thompson's with us here today on the Grow Show, powered by steel, he actually came into the studios. As you say this, I'm reminded of a concept that we teach in the Grow Group. And the concept is what gets most landscapers to a million dollars a year in sales is saying yes. Mm-hmm. But what gets them beyond a million and on to two to 50 to 100, wherever you're going, is saying no. And that's what I'm taking from what you're saying in that professional management going beyond a million. The million-dollar landscaper knows all their clients' names. They know their team's names. They've got a handle on things. Something's broken. There's an issue. You can see it. Your span of control is there. But to get beyond that million dollars, you got to be able to say no. And to be able to say no in a business effectively, there's got to be the framework, the professional management in place right. to allow the entity to go on and people to know what they're supposed to do without you pulling every level like lever like you were at a million.
1: Yep. Very true. Very true. I, I would add to what you're saying saying no is incredibly important. So if we look from a market perspective, to defend a position in a market space, we have to be truly excellent, right? Yep. And it's hard to be truly excellent at a whole bunch of things.
0: Right. Well said.
1: We, you and I have talked about this, Marty, we can conceive way more than we can do right. with excellence. Right. Just because I can think it doesn't mean I can right. execute it. Right. I got to be able to think it to execute it, but it, it, it doesn't go both ways. and so. To be really excellent, you have to focus. You have to decide what what slice of the market are we gonna defend right. and be the best at.
0: Right, what are we gonna focus
1: on? And with that focus, then you can't focus if your answer is always yes. Because you're gonna be asked to do a lot of things that are not in that focus area, and it will dilute your resources, dilute your attention, and it will slow the learning of the organization because you're trying to learn all these things at once. And so managing people, getting it down, focusing. Right, right. Also in the market space, we have to focus. And it's all about excellence. When you're truly excellent at a space, then it's much easier to sell, right? Right, exactly. So selling's tough if you don't have a compelling value proposition.
0: Right. What's a value proposition? So a value
1: proposition is what does the customer value and they're willing to pay for? Right. So you and I never part with our dollars. Right. Unless we believe the service or the product that we're going to get in exchange is worth more more than what we're paying. Yeah, I'm going to get value. And so as the customer, I'm defining my concept of value. And generally to be excellent, to stand out, and be able to communicate that succinctly, which is what you have to do in marketing and selling, you have to be really good at it. You have to be focused and you have to translate it to your customer
0: right. in their terms, right? their terms of value. Right. As I listen to you, Mark, I'm reminded of how much this stuff is counterintuitive. Like if you taught a course, a business Entrepreneurship course, an introductory course. Say we go down to the University of Dayton down the road and we were teaching one of those. I don't think you'd want new students to realize the way you get ahead in business is to say no, that you just tell everybody no. No, we can't do that. No, we don't do that. I mean, that's not <laughs> saying no to opportunities. It's the span of control that becomes the issue. It is. And so don't misunderstand us here, folks, <clears throat> listening to us on the Grow Show Powered by Steel. We're not saying, Mark, to say no to a customer, but I always tell people there's a Chipotle across the street from us here. And if you go in there and say, hey, I'd like a burger and fries, they're going to look at you and be like, well, five guys is across the parking lot, which it is. But they also might want you to go in for a mental evaluation to be like, (laughs) how can you not see? We don't do burger and fries here. Henry Ford once said you can have any color car you want as long as it's black. So professional management, then, to me, to elaborate on what you're saying, is also about understanding what we do well, mm-hmm. what we don't do well, what kind of people would work out well here, what wouldn't, putting some framework into all the angles of the business. Is, is that a fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Is professional management different at a $1.5 million a year landscaping company than at a $400 million a year landscaping company?
1: It's more... It's more segmented. You, okay. can, you can certainly show complexity, but fundamentally,
0: no. Is there a reason that a one point five million dollar year landscaping company should not be looking at professional management? No, no. At that
1: at that stage, you've you're not going to scale, right? In, in, unless you can delegate, unless you can segment and position the business. And yeah, you'll need professional management to go forward. Now, if you don't want to scale.
0: Right, exactly. Which could be could and could if, be fair. If,
1: if you're at a million and a half, this is working for you. And you're, you're happy. You're happy. You don't want to scale it, then probably not. But if you're wanting to scale,
0: then yeah. How do you get started with professional management? The listeners that we have, somebody's on the edge of their seat right now. We hope that you and I are so <laughs> stimulating. How do they get started with it? What do they do? I think
1: it's Marty, I, I would, I would think about it, your organization and right. learning the fundamentals If I were a landscaper. That's a great place to start. And it, it is about learning. It is about, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, we, we learn when we're ready to learn.
0: I've heard you say that
1: before. And so if you're wanting to learn about professional management, I would first look for a mentor. Okay. I think we learn most effectively when when the student is ready and generally one-to-one, generally shoulder-to-shoulder versus nose-to-nose. And when I say shoulder-to-shoulder, we're both looking at a problem and working on it. But yeah. if you're doing that with a skilled mentor... The mentor will introduce perspectives and then begin teaching along the right, way. Right. Certainly, there's more traditional approaches or, or programs, but the, the longer I live, the more I, I realize that that one-on-one is where most of the lights come on.
0: You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm kind of like, I'm thinking back to the journey that we went on with you when you started helping us. I remember one of the first philosophies you injected into us was, how can we be the highest functioning 5 million dollar a year landscaping company and the premise that you were teaching us at the time was that you've got to get the 5 million that you're doing you got to be doing that the best possible way you can and then go from there right that's scaling is so, figuring so, out what we're doing now as best we can and then make that easier to scale yeah
1: and at that time marty you guys had grown into 5 million
0: right and
1: you had grown into, we can keep $5 million up there and right. deliver it, but we're not highly functioning yet. Right. Yet. Right. So the next stage of professional management was to become high functioning. Right. Then at that platform, you're ready to go for the next right. five, right? Or the next right. two, whatever right. it is. So a lot of times, it, it's never a straight line, as you know this, uh, but when we ramp up, we have to grow into our own shoes. And that's what you all were doing at at
0: that five million stage. You were between four and five million. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you probably remember this, but one of our sessions, you gave me homework. (laughs) I think you know where I'm going. (laughs) Me? You gave me homework, (laughs) and you said when you come back next time we meet, you have to tell me what a twenty-five million dollar a year Grunder landscaping company looks like. Right. And I remember when you said that. This is amazing. You weren't happy. No, I'm like, I can't do that. This guy's nuts. And I said to you, I don't think I can do that. And, and, you know, I like you. And your comment was, well, you're going to have to. I'm never talking to you again. (laughs) You've got to come back with a way that you could do it. You got to come back and tell me how you think you could do it. And we came back with a way that we thought we could do it, which again, I'm not telling you I believed in it, but it started to get the brain turning to see where we could go. And that's what you said was that was the point in the exercise was to expand your thinking. You got to break through from where you are down there. So what we were trying to do
1: then, Marty, is at five million, your likely next vision was around seven million. Right. And the natural way to get from five to seven is what? Work harder. We're just work work harder. Sell more. We're just gonna put stay here later. We're gonna stay later. And we're gonna just ring a little bit more out of each of us. But there's a point where there's no more left to ring out. That's right. And you've hit diminishing returns. So the idea was not to look at seven, but to look at twenty-five, which sounded crazy. It did. And at five million, it is a bit crazy. Right. But what it forced was, gosh. I have to break this apart. Wait a minute. I have to quit looking at the five million dollar firm. I have to look at that twenty-five million dollar firm. Well, I don't even know how to look at that. Right. And so the first thoughts are, well, I could I could build it with five five million dollar firms. Right. And the there the journey starts. So you started painting a picture of 25 million. Exactly. And working backwards. Right. And that is if 25 million is the vision the desired future state and today is our current reality of 5 that working backwards is the beginning of your strategic plan right and all we were trying to all I was trying to do is get you to okay lay the 5 million dollar firm down for a minute and rebuild in your mind a right. 25 million dollar firm and then let's look at that gap and now it's game on.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: It's game on. How do we close that gap? What, what, what would have to happen up there? And then it gets down to, okay, now we know with intention how and why we're going from five to seven. Right. Because we're going
0: from seven following all the way through with a vision of 25. Right. It's, it's, it's awesome to listen to you because what happened was Seth Flum was on the leadership team at that time. He was in a sales position. He wasn't in a, you know, in a. he was in a management role there per se, but he wasn't at the top of the org chart. And we were working on things. And I think he really started to buy what you were selling. There were things that he would come to me on the side and said, hey, you know, I was thinking about what Mark said. Why don't we work on an org chart that is a company at 25 million? Let's lay it all out and see how many people that is and how many managers that is. Let's look at it from a CapEx perspective. What kinds of trucks and what kind of services, what's our business mix if we were to do that? Can we do that all in Dayton, Ohio? Do we need to go to Cincinnati to get some of it? And what it did by expanding the thinking, instead of just saying we can't do that, because it didn't we didn't test anything. It was just me saying, I'm having a hard enough time getting everybody to buy in the five million. Right. When I come and bring other ideas to me, very as you know, my team, there were super nice people, oh, yeah. lovely, sweet people trying hard. But they didn't want to grow. And maybe they didn't want to grow because they didn't know how to grow. Like I had I had maxed them out. But when we would talk about doing other things, they would say, well, we can't do that. We're, we're not even doing what we're doing perfect. You know, let's wait till we get. Well, if you wait till everything's perfect, you're, you're never going to get there. Never. It, it, it will never be perfect. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's morph
1: in. Can I talk about that? Yeah, a little go ahead. So, Please do, because you know what we went through. So I think part of what the team was experiencing is, a um, hey, they, they didn't want to let you down. Right. They didn't want to let the standards that you exactly. committed to. They yep. didn't want to come in under those. What maybe they were missing is in order to keep growing and to keep evolving, you have to have a little reserve in the tank. And so, if you're maxed out at $5 million, there's no reserve to learn the next thing. Right. To do exactly what Seth was doing right. with my little mind problem that I gave you guys, right. which is come back with a $25 million. Right. What's it look like? What's it look like? And it is not a linear exercise, as, as you know. So, A lot of times on a strategic plan, people would come to me and say, "Yeah, I I just want to bring my whole team there. We'll spend a a full day or two days, whatever, with you, and out of it, we'll have this beautiful strategic plan." And and as you know, right,
0: exactly, it's perfectly color coded, and and I will do exactly that. No one will deviate from it. And I would say
1: what we talked about earlier. I would say politely, "No,
0: right, if." If you're doing that, I'm not your guy. Right. But see, I, I remember when we would talk <laughs> about that because the anal guy in me, the OCD, wanted every, right. just get it over Yeah, let's, have it, let's just get it done. But you're a civil engineer, all right? Yeah. So when you're engineering a bridge, because my dad was a civil engineer a Roadway, it does have to be precise. It does. You don't say, oh, that's enough base. Are yeah. you sure? Now, I don't do any compaction testing right. or anything. Keep going. Just, it's fine. So you don't do that. And that's why, like, you almost gave me license to say, look, break a couple eggs to make some omelets here.
1: Exactly. Right. Great saying. So
0: what what also is
1: going on there on the the human side is I believe we literally have to sleep on it. And by that I mean if I pull your team together for two days of strategic planning with Mark, first of all, Overwhelming. Horrific. Right. I will fatigue them in two. Right. If if we're doing real right. work. Right. In two and a half hours, I will fatigue them. Right. And for the rest of the time, they're checked out. They'll comply. Right. They'll be polite. Right. They'll comply, but they're they're maxed out. Right. In our sleep, a lot of times, our subconscious is sorting sorting out what we're wrestling with. I get you. And so that's where the non-linear thinking comes to play and all of a sudden Seth is thinking about 25 million and the different ways we could structure for 25 million. And then you go sleep on that and you go back to the problem. And so, as you know, we would often separate our sessions by a month. Exactly. And I wanted you and your team processing. And that just takes a little bit of time. So it
0: seems like you're taking a break and nothing's being done, but it's kind of like wine fermenting. Or a pot roast, or whatever, soaking it in.
1: How many times have you, or have you heard somebody say, "You know, sounds weird, but I was taking a shower this morning." Yes, right.
0: And the idea came,
1: and that is because you're coming out of your sleep, your subconscious, you're waking up, your mind is quiet, and it's bubbling up from your subconscious to your conscious mind. That's really what we're after in a lot of those big shifts, and that's how. As we
0: used to often say, you got to outwork the work. That's how you outwork the work. Right. You know, and and just to throw this in, folks, today on the Grow Show, Powered by Steel, we're with Mark Thompson, one of our mentors here, and coaches, consultants at Grunder Landscaping Company that we've worked with for a long time. You know, through the process of doing this, I realized you don't have to have it in some fancy room. You don't have to fly to Florida to do it. You know, we we did some of it here. We did some of it at other places. We did some of it at a little hotel room. It was more about getting out of the day to day. And there was some kind of a physical break that you weren't at work. And it was time to focus on this for a couple hours.
1: Yeah. We, you you almost need to turn the phones off. Right. And just say, we're going to have three hours. Right. Where this is what we're focused on. And, and that's about all you can do. You yep. kind of get into the work, you do yep. the work, and you get out of it and prepare for next time. And then you're, you're back at it.
0: So in the process of doing this, there were several very nice people that left our organization. And that is that is tough. When they're nice people, you like them, but you realize that some of them realize it on their own. Some of them we had to ask to leave. Sure. Those challenges as an entrepreneur, because I see it, I I was recently working with a company and there's a family member in the company that they're, they need to get out of there and they don't know how to do it. Like they're like, my mother is going to be so she's elderly. She's going to be so disappointed in me. I don't know what to do. What do I do? And we end up coaching. What do you do? How, How do you, how do you take the emotion out of something like that? An employee that's a nice person, a good person. All right. But it's like our mutual friend, Peter Luongo, used to say, I love you, but you just can't work here anymore. you got to get to that point. How do you do that? So I think it starts, it it, it
1: helps at that point if you started that work a lot sooner. Okay. Let me explain what I mean. We talked a minute ago about professional management. Right. If you gave me a one-word synonym for management in today's workforce, I would choose teaching. When you're managing people, you're basically teaching. I see, and once they understand we don't micromanage, there's not enough. Right, that those days are gone. Those no one will pay for that as a customer right. anymore. And so, if management is teaching, and if we've des- defined a desired future state, which is our vision, so. Back to our example, it's now twenty-five million from five million. Right. And our strategic plan is how we're gonna move from here to there.
0: Right. So vision is ideal state, ideal and that next. plan are the steps that's gonna get you there. Right.
1: The strategies are how, right? How we get how, there. Right. And so now your teaching is in the context of that vision and that how. Yep. And you're inviting a family member who might be part of the business. And this is a critical word that has helped me the most is, I think, in terms of inviting. And so I'm inviting so-and-so to grow, to grow with okay. us, because we're going to grow from 5 to 25. Right.
0: We're going to have to accumulate
1: new skills. We're going to have to learn new things to execute those strategies. We're going to find out that the majority of our first strategies second strategies and third strategies are not good strategies I got you. and we we'll have to come up with new ones yep and rebuild that and so it's a it's a jagged path yep all the way up the mountain with some blood with with some blood <laughs> right. of your skin knees right? right right and not everyone is up for that yep so as a manager if you've been inviting and your colleague is saying no right Now we're at the point where we're going up the mountain. Right. And you've been telling me, no, you've done nothing to prepare for this next stage or or whatever. Right. So I'm going to take you up on your choice. Right. So what you're really trying to do is invite the employee enough that you're helping them demonstrate to you and them that they're not willing to go forward. Now you just call it that's different than going in and firing mom's favorite if you're in right. a family company right. I've, I've been inviting i've been inviting right and they're not interested and you can you can lay that out for whoever you're talking with now emotionally will they process it that way unlikely unlikely right. early right but over time i think there's a chance that and i have had a little bit of success with that where people Say, so, you know, you're right. I have no passion for, for, for $25 right. Million. right. I wanted this smaller thing. In fact, we're too big for me at five. Right. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. We love you. Right. Now let's coach you out. Right. I right. can't coach you up. Right. So now I'm going to coach you out. And we're going to work on it right.
0: together. And let's do this as respectfully and
1: gracefully as possible.
0: And I think that's the key is that you always want to, I've had to sever several employment relationships. I've had family members I've had to yeah. separate employment with. And they all haven't gone smoothly. I'm right. not going to get into all the details. You know them. Right. But I've always tried to be professional about it. And I can tell you, I sleep well at night. Yeah. Like, it's my company. I can't leave. Okay? I'm not going anywhere. So some of that is my vision and where I want to go. And those that want to buy into that vision, they're going to get on the boat and they're going to go. The other ones are going to have to get off the boat. Yeah. And a lot of times what I found is people aren't thriving in that environment and they leave and they thrive somewhere else. Right. And it's not always surprising. You know, you find someone that finds a job they love, as Zig Ziglar used to say, and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And I think that's part of it. So great conversation here today with Mark Thompson on The Grow Show. You, you're pretty familiar with the path that we've had, Seth, on here and, and the results. And, and I think the results speak for themselves. Why do you think the yin and the yang between Seth and myself, why is that working? Because, and and I don't mind if you share with our listeners how difficult I am to work with. I don't. I know it's funny. I don't. Why, from your perspective, is it working with Seth and I? You know, I'm a big visionary guy. I got all these ideas. Seth is the, is the implementer with just incredible tenacity. Why is it working for us?
1: Yeah, so fundamentally there's two things that have to happen in order to have a business. You got to sell something, sell something. And then whatever you sold, you got to go do it. Sell and do sell, sell and do hard to escape that. Right. If you don't sell something, you got nothing to do. Yep. And it, it starts with selling something. When we're selling, we're making a promise when we're doing, we're keeping that promise. Yep. To the extent that we really keep that promise and it's recognized, we build a reputation. I see. That reputation is the foundation of our marketing, which makes it easier to sell the next time. And it's a virtuous loop. Yep. You are the consummate marketer salesperson. That you you are wired that way. It's where all your passion is. It is. And you think about it, you breathe it, it's it's innate to you. But you, you keep educating yourself. Right. You keep experimenting and learning. Seth is very naturally process-oriented. Seth can sell. Seth, he can. Yeah. And you can do process. Right. But Seth's sweet spot starts at process, whereas yours starts with marketing and communication. Right. And so that is the yin and yang. It doesn't mean you can't do parts of each other's roles but where your passions lie your natural strengths they they're very complementary right and so that's part of what's going on it's totally natural most businesses have a strong tandem at different spots throughout the business and it's for the exact same reason it's working at the top with you and Seth right and so the the traditional approach is
0: The CEO is on the outside looking in. And that's why I see. And by the way, I love this. And in full disclosure, folks, (laughs) what Mark is about to share with me is the wisdom he shared with me several months ago when I said, I said, Mark, I need some help. Seth's going to be promoted to president. You said, I figured that was coming. Congratulations. I said, I don't want to mess this up. Please help me. Figure out a way to be best. And what you're about to say is what you told me, which is just awesome. So
1: CEO is
0: more looking out, the
1: outside looking in. And that's department. me. I'm the CEO. That's right. And so by outside, I mean representing the voice of the customer. Almost
0: like in the windows of the building, Look looking at, in, looking peering through, in. through, Yes, right. looking through. President. Is
1: more inside looking out, making sure presiding over the operations, yep. making sure we're eliminating waste, we're making it simple and repeatable, we're we're attending to our team, right? And that yin and yang is really really powerful because it, you've you've got it surrounded, right? And and
0: so I think. Uh, you guys have nailed that at this stage. Well, I'm having it's. It is. I feel so you feel it. Right? I do, and I feel so fortunate. At age 55, I honestly am having more fun right now in the business than I ever have. And you told me something else. I thought you were going to say it. You didn't. But I'm going to remind you. You told me nose in, hands off. Yeah, and that was like once you said that when we met. I'm like, I got it. I, you're like, you, I, got that, I needed something like that. To help me understand how so I can a be a good CEO. So it's a like either
1: peering in the window or lifting up the tent, and looking right.
0: under it. But right. you don't
1: want to be a CEO sticking your hands in you the You can't do it. You're undermining stuff. You'll undermine the president. Right. And now you can talk with the president and you can, yep. you can share what you're seeing and what your thoughts are. And this would bring up another concept that sometimes in order to be a good leader, we have to be a good follower. That's right. Amen. And so inside the organization, sometimes the best CEO
0: has to follow the president. I'll tell you just two other things tactically that our listeners may enjoy hearing. So Seth and I, every other Friday for about two and a half hours, we go and we visit jobs together and we see the crews. We look at work. We talk to customers. We eat a Jimmy John sandwich in my truck. I drive. He works on his laptop. He tells me where to go. He's looking up the trucks on the GPS. And rather than interrupting Seth, whenever I have an idea or I wanna ask why something is, I save all those and I put them on a stick note on the dashboard of my truck. And then I say, hey, Seth, last week I saw this, what do you think? And we have, it's awesome conversations. Beautiful. So, and we had done this haphazardly and we had so much fun doing it like about six, seven weeks ago. He texted me that night and he said, Something to the extent of, it's really fun working with you. And I really enjoyed today. And I really enjoyed our conversation. And so we have used that as a, that is like the time that I can then talk to him. So two and a half hours every other Friday, we're driving around, we're looking at jobs. We're seeing the two most important people in the company, our our team and our clients. And we're seeing is what we're doing back here all day, is it actually working? Like, does our work look good? Are people happy? Are people following safety protocols? It has been, it's, I look forward to doing that with them to go out and see how we're doing. It's I've like, it. it's the results of the test. Like, look, what we're doing is working. We, we, we're we closing in on 12 million this year in sales and it's working. So, so just, just an awesome insight, folks. I hope that helps. All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit more training. So Marty, yeah. As, as you wrap up those meetings, how do you feel? I feel like I made a great decision. In putting Seth as president, I am excited because we're growing and I wasn't able to do it.
1: You're energized. Oh, it's. You
0: you feel
1: calmer, more calm, more connected. Yes. There's something else that's going on. And that is you and Seth are looking at the windshield. So you are shoulder to shoulder. So nobody's telling each other what to do nose to nose. There's a time for that. Wow. but what you are doing is experiencing and observing your business shoulder to shoulder as peers the business doesn't care if the idea came from the CEO or the president or, or the the lowest level labor it cares does the idea satisfy a customer and does it create value
0: satisfy a customer and create value yeah I,
1: mean, I, I you've heard me say this I'm a stingy old CEO I want, I want three outcomes. From every activity, I want a delighted customer. Delighted customer. I want to improve the firm. Improve the firm. And I want the individual performing the, the duties to grow. And the individual performing the duties grow. Yep. Beautiful. And so all three levels, right? Customer, firm, individual, everybody thriving. And you can get that most of the time, almost all the time. You can get two, and you better get number one. Yeah, right. You better get number one. Right. Or there's not much else no, to talk about. No, no, no. And so, that's what you guys are doing, and it is incredibly natural, and it's it's energizing. So, congratulations! Well,
0: thank you. I mean, we give you a lot of credit. I know um, Seth enjoys meeting with you. You guys, for whatever reason, like to meet at Dunkin' Donuts. I understand that's your favorite coffee. Well, it's I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll buy you Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. okay. Training. Okay. You have implemented. Universities, per se, where where someone has grown a university or whatever you want to call it in various organizations. Let's just talk briefly about the power of training. What can a small business do to get their own little university inside their company? Just give us your insight on training. I know you've had a lot of success. Sure.
1: So, as we've said, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So, a lot of a leader's work is inviting the student to be ready and preparing an environment where the teacher can naturally appear. Yep. So rules of thumb, at least in uh, the way I think about it, introduction, kind of revealing a concept, one to many in terms of facilitator to group works just fine, but it's pretty it's pretty short-lived. When the training gets deeper, the group of learners has to get smaller.
0: When the training gets deeper, the learners has, has to get smaller. Yeah, the group, yeah of, right. of, the, the group of students has to
1: get smaller and down to one-to-one Yep, on really deep learning. And a lot of times, as, as you know, like if, if you talk about our $25 million exercise, right. It, it, a lot of times it's good to flip the classroom and make the assignment, have you go wrestle with the assignment, and then come back and we work on it together. I see. Because you remember when I assigned $25 million and the reason your blood pressure went up at the moment is I didn't give you any help. No. Right, right. I said, see you next month. Right. And what I was doing was starting you on the work, and then what you brought back, we got back figuratively in the truck, shoulder to shoulder. right. right. And we talked about it and worked on it instead of some lecture or, you know, me thinking I'm speaking from on high and I've got all the answers. Neither of us had the answers. We were asking the right question and re-asking it until we could figure out parts of the answer and just keep
0: working it from there. And doing it together is deeply energizing. It is. And part of the learning, even when you, there's no wrong answer. Like, even in figuring out something that didn't work, you learn. Yes. And you move forward. Yes. All right. Now for the the fun stuff. I think the single most <laughs> impactful thing, I know you're laughing because you know what I'm going to ask you. I don't know what you're going to ask. Oh, well, <laughs> the single most impactful thing I've learned from you, you have told me repeatedly that one of the goals of an entrepreneur is to take low risk experiments. Yeah. And I think think about that all the time because we sit in our little offices and we do things and we're not sure if something would work. So we go and we meet with more people and then all the time of doing that, there's no action. All right. And the problem's not getting solved or the opportunities not being leveraged. And you impressed upon me the fact that one of the best things an entrepreneur can do is help their organization take low risk experiments. Where did that come from? It's yeah. brilliant and it's helped me so much. Where did that come from and why is that so important? Yeah, so it,
1: it, it, it's real roots are in Deming's thinking, so okay. it didn't come from me. Okay, didn't know that. And it's it's really, you hear it in software design and project delivery is agile development Okay, or agile delivery, mm-hmm. which means small chunks of work, those are the small, low-risk experiments And you do them over and over. And the feedback to the experiment always involves, guess who? The customer. And the customer will tell us if we're on track or not. Yep. And so the idea is you never get too far away from the value chain, which is from the customer. I see. see. The customer tells us, no, you want to go over this way a little bit. And then we do another experiment. We're not going
0: to pay you to do that, but we'll pay you to do that. Right, so
1: it keeps a dialogue and a conversation with the customer, and it's all about the customer's perception of value. And we're using experiments to sort that out. Another way of thinking of it, Marty, is a business owner's number one job is to be in business tomorrow morning. And so if I'm swinging for the fence, if I'm going all in, there's a much higher probability that I'm going to strike out. Yes, yes. Or ten, if out. I do a small one. Small one, I've kept plenty of reserve. Right. And I'm in business tomorrow morning. I have enough cash. I have a going concern. I right. have blown it up. And it, it feels exciting to take great big risks and win the lottery. It just doesn't happen that way right. very
0: often. And you know this, yeah. right? Well, with, a, with our new endeavor, Grunder Green, the lawn care, that's what we did. We, we tried for 18 months. We just put a spreader on one of our green trucks. It was a bad setup and everything, but we started testing it. What? It, how's the product work? How does the route work? All that. And that enabled us to get a whole ton of feedback before we went and bought a $140,000 truck to put on the road to do the service. We're now up to two trucks. We have a third one coming. So we're learning a lot there, but it was rooted in some very low-cost experiments to see because you just don't know how it's going to play out on some know. of that stuff. Do you, do you get in there and do that?
1: Amen. And so if you look at Deming's work, it
0: actually is just a recasting of the scientific method to business. Okay. One other funny thing you always say to me, I'm from the show me state, so you okay. got to show me. What do you mean by that? So first of all, I'm not from Missouri. I know. <laughs> um,
1: but I'm really asking you to teach. Okay. And so I'm saying, show me. The reason I'm saying show me is more than two thirds of us, our preferred learning style is visual. We are visual learners first. And so if you can show me, I'm asking you to demonstrate how you're going to teach or manage me. And I'm a safe person to teach, right? I don't know anything technically about your business. So if you can explain it to me or whatever it
0: is, I see.
1: I'm i really testing. Does this make sense? And, you know, that's, it's no more complex than that. I'm just, if you can teach, then you can manage
0: as if you're showing it, then you're going to connect with the majority majority. of your team. And you know, uh, folks, 95% of the people that are listening to us are owners and leaders of landscaping yeah. companies. Probably over half of them have some Spanish speaking employees. Exactly. Showing them breaks through the language barrier when you're demonstrating landscaping techniques it's and huge, other things. Huge. And the show me part of it I think is critically important. I know, you know, one of the reasons folks we put together the Grow Show was so that you could understand what our annual event GROW is, which is February 6th, 7th, and 8th, Des Moines, Iowa. We're going to have a great event there. And and Mark, our event is we don't keep people seated for longer than 45 minutes. Beautiful. Because who in the world would want to sit in a conference center for nine or 10 hours and be just lectured to? Right. I have a college diploma, barely. You have two of them. And I and I know both of us don't want to sit there like that all, time, all day. We want to be interactive. We want to get up and move around. The show me stuff that's important. And and these are basic things, okay? None of the stuff I think that you've shared here today, strategic planning, the show me, the low-risk experiments, the all of those things, none of those are things that that any business, no matter what side, couldn't get their size, could get their arms around and implement. I agree. Well, we got just a couple more things. What would you like? Is there anything I haven't asked you? that you think would be important to share about an experience and and you're welcome even to touch on mistakes we made. You know, I've told you this before. Sometimes people pay me a compliment and they say, I just can't believe how easy you talk about your failures. Like, you know, you're so humble. Well, I don't know that I'm very humble. My wife Lisa would not tell you that I'm humble. Here's what I know, Mark. I know I'm good. I know I am. I have a lot of confidence in the things that we've accomplished, but I also know to get better, I got to learn from those failures. And I have learned as a teacher, students learn a lot more from you talking to them about what you messed up than just going over all the things you've succeeded well, at. Well, first of all, it, it diffuses all the imposter syndrome that a
1: has. Great point. And it humanizes the whole experience. But those failures are simply experiments that didn't work. Right. And so the key is to not live in or anchor in the failure. The key is to move on to the next yep. low-risk experiment right? with the learning we're taking from the prior experiment. And so that's all you're doing. And you do it naturally, and it works well. And you're not ashamed of those failures because they're steps from here to where you are now. And you know you're going to make more right. Right from here to where you're right. going. The idea, again, is to not go all in and, and have catastrophic failures. And you never have. You've even There's times we've probably been too close. Yeah, right. But but the reality of it is, you break it down, and you just keep moving forward.
0: I have a friend. His name is Nito Cubain. He's president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. He's he's a very very smart, wonderful man. And he he, I heard him one time teaching in a session I was in. He was talking about scenario planning, and he said scenario planning is this: you look at your best case scenario, okay. And you really don't spend a whole lot of time there analyzing that because who can't handle the best case scenario? You spend time thinking about what might happen, okay, what's most likely to happen, that scenario. But the place you spend the most time in is what is the worst case scenario? And what he said was, if you feel that you can overcome that worst case scenario and that what's most likely to happen is good, go for it. And that, ha- that has helped me in making decisions. I think it's a great framework. Uh, the way, very similarly, I've always
1: thought of it is look at that worst-case scenario. And initially, you're going to have a lot of emotion around that. A lot. And over a couple Especially of, when we're talking money. I mean, let's be honest. Absolutely. Right. It's And, and ego. Right. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a failure. Right. So as you keep coming back to that worst case scenario you can make peace with it and you, you begin to answer the question yeah, what, what needs saying. to be true yep for yep. this worst case scenario not to take me out yep and now you can mitigate the risk of the worst case scenario once you've done that and you have a little bit of emotional peace with the downside now you can play offense the rest of the way the whole game oh is how do i get off that worst case scenario closer right. to the best right and that's the game i'm just playing offense but i know i'm going to live i have my mitigating strategies if it goes worst case yeah we'll still be in business we'll keep chugging away right and so that's the game for me it has helped a lot because i don't think clearly if i'm all emotional right and so you got to manage yourself and then free
0: yourself to play offense Mark, it's been a pleasure having you here. I am so grateful for what you've done for our business. It's awesome to have you a phone call away. I'm really glad, folks, to share with you. Mark Thompson, one of our mentors and coaches and consultants here at Grunder Landscaping. We hope you enjoyed this week on The Grow Show. Anything, finally, you want to say before we go? Thanks for having me,
1: Marty. All right. Congratulations on everything you guys are doing.
0: Well, thank you for showing us some ways to do it, Mark. All right, folks, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on The Grow Show. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grow Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and head to growgroupinc.com for more information and resources to grow your landscaping business. A special thanks to the folks at Steel, whose support
1: makes this podcast possible and whose reliable handheld power equipment makes our drives easier daily. We'll talk to you next week.